Oh, the horn. Let's go. Everything that we do every day, we want to be a champion. Get your mind right and let's go. Do the little things. Win every day. It's a someplace they play so far. Everything with an attitude. Got a family. I don't give a shit who we're playing. Young and able to play against and make his ass play. That's our framework. That's our MO with the team. Richardson breaks free on the sideline. This is a mauling, folks, a mauling. Fear the tide, honey badger. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast, powered by Bama Hammer. Tom, yet another Mississippi school played its biggest game in their entire program's history, both this season, both against Alabama. However, the Bullies didn't fare so well this weekend. No, they didn't, man. First of all, it's nice to be an Alabama fan, right? It's nice that all these schools have their lifetime games against us, man. We, uh, we're, we're used to being on the big stage. You know, I left the stadium thinking that we had kind of held our, you know, we had, that the game was not in doubt for the whole game. And when you listen to some of the, you know, uh, media after the game, the nation's got the same perception that, you know, this game was never in doubt. It was 19 to three at one point. I got to tell you, man, when I went back and dug into the stats, I really think the turning point of this game was the end of the first quarter. Uh, I think we won the first quarter. I think I think this Mississippi, Mississippi State team, starting with about six minutes left in the second quarter, really took it to us. And uh, going back and, and looking at the numbers, uh, we're lucky to win this ball game. This is one of those games that, uh, as I was going back through, and uh, like you said, kind of looking at the stats, so many of the stats lined up in the favor of Mississippi State. Uh, Dan Mullen in his post-game press conference talked about you know, how typically they have been very efficient inside uh, the red zone. And he talked about them having seven or six trips into the red zone, uh, you know, that that could be 42 points. And they walked away with, uh, with almost, uh, o- almost nothing in those, most of their circumstances. He talked about this is the type of game where you can't kick field goals You've got to score touchdowns. And just just the feeling came over me of that LSU game a couple of years ago where they beat us in Tuscaloosa. But if you go back and look at drive charts, you go back and look at stats, you go back and look at everything, you could reason that that, you know, that we outplayed them. And then that sort of played itself out in in the Sugar Bowl. I don't have sort of that same contra opinion. I don't think that Mississippi State outplayed us in the way that we outplayed LSU that year, but it was a closer game than, you know, a lot of the media is is sort of giving it the credit for being. And so I definitely want to give a tip of the hat to uh, Mississippi State, but at the same time, there's something about us rising up and, you know, the big drive uh, that we needed in in uh, you know late in the game, the big interceptions, the big defensive stops, they moved the ball between the twenties very effectively. But when our when our defense needed to bow up and make that play, when the offense needed to drive down the field, there's something. And I don't like to call a team a team of destiny, but there's something in the tank of this Alabama team that not quite like Florida State, where they'll just come back and and uh, only play in the second half. But there's something about this team. We'll rise up, we'll take a lead, and then we'll come back where we need to later in the game and make a statement. I'm kind of proud of the way our team played. 
Well, I, I, I knew you would take that stance, man. Um, I, I got to tell you, going back and looking at the numbers, I am not proud of the way this team played. Sure, they made a drive when they had to to, to, to get to answer uh, and get that touchdown. And sure, Blake made a big scramble for a first down, which he's done three different games now. Take nothing away from that one drive. Yes, it was 15 plays, 76 drive, 76 yards. Yeah, six minutes. But that's it. But that's it. That is all they have in the ledger. Um, starting with five minutes left in the second quarter, Mississippi State had a 14-play drive, 70 yards, then nine plays, 67, 10 plays, 65, yep. 10 plays, 54, and oh, by the way, 13 plays, 72. They ran 83 plays. They ran 20 plays more than we did. Yep. So this is the second week in a row. Another team is controlling the ball, and they are moving the ball. So, yes, we got interceptions. That's great. We probably got more in this game than we had all season, okay? Sure. Um, or close to it. But um, we had three. We had six three and outs. You know, Gary Danielson, you know, on the, on the TV telecast – um, said that Mississippi State came into this ball game stopping their opponents on third down two out of every three times. And um, these are grown men on that defensive side of the ball. I'm glad we won. I'm just saying that I think Mississippi State did more to lose the game than we did to win the game. That's fair enough. Uh, you know, I want to pick on that drive. Uh, you know, they were con- they were keeping uh, teams from converting. Well, they kept us from converting. We converted, you know, five of 15 but we converted three of those on uh, on that drive uh, there at the end of the game. You know, Sims was 19 of 31 on the game, 211 yards on the day, a touchdown. Not outstanding numbers by any stretch of the imagination, but, uh, you know, he led the team. There's something – there's just an intangible quality, and that's the best I've got for it. But there's an intangible quality that he brings to the team in those must-have situations. You know, we had two, and we've talked about it in the show – Two critical drives, I think, against Tennessee. One led for a score, one did not. Could have, should have. Um, you know, last year against LSU, or last week against LSU, clearly that was critical. That was to win the game uh, or to come back and, and send it in overtime, I guess, really. Uh, and then the, the play in overtime. Those are critical opportunities, critical situations. And uh, maybe this week wasn't quite as dire as last week, but it's another critical drive where we had to go down and put points kind of separate ourselves and and we performed uh you know that's not all of the equation so let's talk about some things that uh that you saw on offense that you didn't like no absolutely let me let me first comment on what you said there Blake Sims was 19 of 31 how many times in the three years that AJ was quarterback was AJ 20 of 30 for 200 yards okay and it was a and it was a convincing win so that wasn't meant to pick on Blake I'm going to tell you, I really think 19 of 31 for 211 was not bad. That was A.J. McCarron-like in his stats. What really made this game closer than this game should have been is we couldn't run the ball. Okay, we had 32 carries for 138 yards. That is not Alabama football. Alabama football is when your quarterback drops back 30 times, you have 35 carries averaging five yards a carry. We didn't average five yards a carry. If we had rushed for over 200 yards, this would have been a total different ball game. Okay, so I just want to be clear that I think we were whipped up front in our offensive line. Okay, when I went back and just watched a few plays, we were beaten at the point of attack 
on numerous occasions um, on with their defensive front, uh, their front seven. But I, I do want to I do want to point out a couple things. Um, I really think the the I really think the turning point in this game was when we were sitting there and we had the ball. We had we had just held them. They punted the ball. Uh, we get the ball back starting at their 47 yard line. We're up five to nothing. It's at the end of the first quarter. Okay. And and you and I talked about this in the stands. We proceed to take no time off the clock, right? We have three plays, three and out. We give the ball back to them. I think that was the key moment there. Okay. On first down, Derrick Henry comes in to spell TJ Yeldon. The play is supposed to go to the right. He is lined up next to Blake's on the left side. The play is supposed to go to right. Airy and Cam drive their guy five yards off the ball. Ryan Kelly takes his guy to the right. There is a huge hole between left guard and center. Derrick Henry sees it way too late. He cuts back. He only gets two yards. I think if TJ Yeldon's in the, in the game that play, he gets eight yards there. Then on second down, Blake Sims drops back to throw the ball. He's got Derrick Henry wide open, okay, six yards in front of the line of scrimmage for a little drop pass. He's got um, he's got White, um, what, 20 yards off the line of scrimmage, wide open in the middle of the field. But he sets his mind that he's going to our Darius Stewart. And so he throws in a double coverage, okay? He had two wide open guys. He goes to Stewart. Lucky, you know, the ball gets knocked away. And and then on third down, um, we go to we go to throw a ball and it gets tipped. It would have been a first down to White. But those three plays, I think, was the key momentum driver. Mississippi State, we started off on their 47-yard line. We score a touchdown there. We go up 12-0. I think the second quarter goes different. I think the game goes different. Yeah, you spun out a, a, a couple of things there. There were a couple times where they would line up, <clears throat> and we saw a back-to-back plays where we would, uh, you know, Alabama would line up with uh, the outside receiver and then the slot. Uh, one time it was White outside and Cooper in the slot. Very next play, they kind of swapped it up. And in fact, I think it was Cooper and White in the slot. And then the very next play, it was White and then Cooper in the slot. Uh, both times they put a corner over uh, the outside receiver. But they played the safety off the slot 10 or 12 yards deep. That's a situation we talked last week about maybe we were checking hot to uh, the pass more than either of us would have liked. That's a situation where you've got to check down to the hot. And I don't want to just sound like we're saying the opposite thing of last week because I, d- I think that situationally it's different. You know, here you've got White, and once it's even Cooper, it's even. You know the the I want to say better receiver certainly you know one of the best receivers in the country, and they're giving them a, a twelve or fifteen yard cushion. I mean, you throw it to him on the line of scrimmage and just run a run a screen or you run a slant. You do something and you take advantage of that. And uh, and and for whatever reason we didn't. You know, you get that safety to to kind of cheat up towards the line of scrimmage. That gives you some crossing pattern uh, pattern opportunities behind them. Uh, the tight end can leak out there, and so there's things that you can do off of that, even if they if they step up. But if they're not going to step up and cover the guy, you've got to go after him. And that's certainly uh, that was certainly some play calls that I did not like. Uh, I didn't think we were taking advantage of the opportunities there. And I know that's not the point that you were getting at, but you know there was a little bit of overlap there 
we had that situation and didn't take care of it uh, or, or didn't take advantage of it there a couple of times. No, I, I agree with you. And and when we when we got the field goal, you know, earlier in the game, uh, we had a third and seven. We were at their twenty yard line, right? Um, Blake had made a nice play to DeAndre White across the middle on a third down earlier in the drive. We had a third and seven. Well, first of all, we had a second and seven, and we tried to throw that bubble screen to Amari Cooper. DeAndre White goes to block the corner yeah. and he dives yeah. at his legs. Yeah. The guy jumps around him, makes the tackle. Had he blocked him like he normally does, you know, just do the little things, Amari scores there. Third and seven, okay? We've got we got trips to the left on third and seven. We got White, Chris John Jones, and O.J. Howard. It was a design play, David, to our tight end in the flats, okay? I went back and watched it two different times. We send Chris John Jones and DeAndre White to the middle of the field. We flare OJ out. He catches the ball in the flats at the line of scrimmage. Right. But Mississippi State's a good football team. Okay. They got fast safeties. The safety fought through. OJ Howard did a couple things, but he's not going to get seven yards against the number one team in the country. So to be to be fair, it was a crappy play call. Well, Third and I, seven, I, you go to your tight end at the line of scrimmage on the sideline? Are you serious? Yeah, but I think if you looked at the other side of the scrimmage, if we're thinking about the same play, uh, they showed uh, Amari single coverage, and they walked, a, you know, just as we are about to snap the ball, they walked the, saver, the safety over and, and too high. And so I told you during the game, I think that we checked down to the second receiver before we even snapped the ball. I think that was going to Amari against single coverage, and they went to a they went to uh, the two high safety. I think we checked into another play before we even snapped the ball. Now, unfortunately, it, but let me in, hold on. Let me, let me answer that. Let me answer that though. If you check to another play, right? Do you not throw it to White or Chris John Jones past the sticks? Do you throw it to your tight end at the line of scrimmage when you got to get seven yards? Well, that's just a bad decision. You can reason that we should have a second check down. And that's that's fine, but I think yeah, I think there needs to be some acknowledgement that you know the intent of the play from the from the play call from the line of scrimmage was not to go to uh, OJ in that situation. I think now can we talk about a quarterback who's still only you know his seventh or eighth start and he checks down to the hot instead of giving the play a second? Yeah, we can have that conversation. But to just out of the cuff dismiss the the entire play call, I'd, I don't know that I go quite that far because they gave us a look, hooked us into a play, and then and then changed the look. I mean, they did to us what we like to do uh, defensively to other teams. No, that's fair. And what I meant by the the front seven earlier, okay, is in their front seven they've got four fifth year seniors, right? These are these are not small guys. Their defensive ends are 6'6", 260, right? They're built like we are. Yeah, State, so has, I think, all, State has always had size. But but they were these were grown men. These sure. were more in their front seven, these were more grown men, I, I think, across the line than they've had under Dan Mullen, in sure. my opinion. That could be. And could so be. and so my point is we haven't faced a team this year, in my opinion, whose front seven 
have the girth that these front seven have. Yeah, I'll buy that. And that are four fifth-year seniors. And, Bo, by the way, the other guys are fourth-year juniors. Yeah, I'll buy that. So I, I just I, I think we ran up against some experience, right? I mean, we got a true freshman in Cam Robinson, right? He only practiced one day last week. I just think that we got whooped a little bit at the point of attack, and we couldn't run the ball like we, we wanted to run the ball. And um, I think that was huge for us. That that allowed them to have the ball 10 minutes in the second quarter and 10 minutes in the third quarter. And, you know, I, I just feel like, you know, we were outplayed three quarters of this ball game. No, it's like, uh, you know, it's like uh, I, had, I had dinner with some friends, uh, some buddies of ours, uh, you know, Friday night before the game. Uh, De Palma's unpaid ad there. And we were talking about how do we attack them. And I said, we've got to attack the edges. We've got to run some toss sweeps, maybe some screens on the edges to running backs, and then further out on the edges some of the some of the wide receiver uh, wide receiver screens that uh, that we've run, and we did some of that, but we didn't commit to it. There was a couple times we had success with a toss sweep, and you and I both talked about that when Yen, when Yeldon would run inside and bounce it out, we had success there. We would, we would say do it again. Su- we would have had great success on the wide receiver screen if DeAndrew would have made his block. And you wonder, should he be the one making that block because he's been out there injured? Uh, should we have a Chris John out there or should we have someone else? That's a fair state. But uh, in terms of, you know, let the pass rush come in and throw a screen uh, to a wide receiver, you yelled for that all day long and we didn't get it. And I would like to see us, hey, let's attack them on the edges, get these big bodies running back and forth. But we never really committed to it uh, consistently on a couple of drives. No, we did not. And I just felt like we let them hang around. Okay. And I just feel like we, you know, a couple, I'll put it this way. Their punter gets my game ball when we talk about special teams, because he was freaking atrocious. He was punting the ball 30 yard punts. We had great field position in the beginning of that game. And we could have put this game away. My point is, is had we gone into the locker room and the score would have been, you know, 29 to 3 or 32 sure. to 3. Sure. They might have checked it in. Or they definitely wouldn't have run the ball, you know, they wouldn't have run the ball with Dak Prescott as much as the in the second half. I mean, you and I talked about before this game, make this kid throw the ball, okay? Yeah. Well, we'll get to defense in a minute, so I don't want to I don't want to jump too quickly, but you know, I think we let them stay in the game. We let them work their game plan, and it almost worked. Yeah, that's fair. Let's 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 wrap up the last you know other couple of thoughts on offense. I've I've got you know one or two. What what else on offense is on your mind? You know, I'm just gonna mention Derrick Henry real quick. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, let's just call a spade a spade. This guy rushed for five gazillion thousand yards in high school. This kid's a big old boy. I understand this kid was banged up earlier in the year. I, I need this guy to run under his pads, uh, run over his pads, and and um, you know give TJ some help here. Um, TJ sitting here, you know, could barely walk off the field after fumbling against LSU. Tapes his ankle up to hell and back, and you know, rushes for seventy something yards and scores the game winning touchdown. You know, I need Derrick Henry to step up. Yeah, Yeldon, I, I think Coach called him a true warrior, and I think that, you know, that's the type of accolade that you get for saving, you know, when there's really something substantial there. And, uh, you know, Yeldon might be a guy that we don't see play next week, uh, you know, uh, maybe just a couple of snaps, to you know, for the sake of his timing. But uh, I think that he's going to get uh, uh, some significant time off. And the fact that, that he sort of mustered it up for 
uh, you know, 16 carries and, and those kind of yards. You have to give the tip of that to him. But that's one thing that we have – this might be the first week that we're saying it as sort of as boldly as we have, but we've talked for a couple of weeks about, you know, Henry needing to step it, step it up and play like he's played before. Uh, you know, he's a big guy that's lower the shoulder. And so all of these types of things that we've said before, but one of the thing that we, you know, and, and you, you said it, and it's what we said during the stands, how do you run for that many yards in high school and not have a better instinct, uh, for running the ball than, than what we sometimes see from him. And, uh, and I hate to sound that negative. Uh, but I think, you know, at this point in the season, uh, we've not seen very much of the explosiveness, uh, it's almost if he can't, you know, get the edge, then then, you know, he's that's that's that he's a one trick pony almost. And again, I hate to see it, but that's what we're seeing. So uh, I just want to see the vision, right? I just yeah. don't see the vision there yeah. as far as the, you know, just the cutback and and the visions that that we've seen from the true freshman Jones, right? Yep, yep. Well, hey, I like, uh, you know. I, Shout out to Amari, you know, eight catches, 88, 88 yards, had a had a big 50 yard or a touchdown. He goes into the press conference and and uh, everyone's asking him about his big plays. And and all he wants to talk about were the drops that he needs to go back to the chalkboard and and work on his his fundamentals. I like the attitude that this kid has. But when he catches some of those balls, he is attacking the ball. Uh, he's not passively waiting the ball for for uh, the ball to come to him. He is attacking the ball. And that 50-yarder uh, on a couple of his other catches, uh, I think the touchdown catch was a really nice. He just went out uh, and just aggressively grabbed the ball out of the air. I, I like the Samari Cooper kid. He catches the ball at the highest point, man. He catches it like you're taught to do. Absolutely. Hey, real quick, what do you what do you think about uh Ten Penny man? Um, you know, I, I didn't I didn't look for him on the sideline with the binoculars during the game, but the you know the story came out today. Uh, he showed up late for a meeting on Saturday morning, and coach just told him to to pack his things and head home. What's your What's your thoughts on that? Well, this this you know ser- uh, Saban takes this stuff serious, right? And uh, you know he says, hey, if this is not important enough for you to be here on time on the day of the game. It's not a Tuesday afternoon, you know, film session and you got caught up coming out of a lab or something. This is the day of the game. And, uh, hey, if it's not important enough for you to to be at uh, the running back meeting on time, then it's probably not important enough for you to dress out. And, I mean, there's a message there. and and um, There is a message, and I just wanted to get your opinion because with TJ being banged up, and Kenyon Drake gone for the year, you know, that's a very strong message to send yeah. when you've only got one and a half running backs to begin with going into the game against the number one team of the country. That just makes me respect Nick Saban even more. Yeah, I think you've got to, right? And uh, I think that uh, – well, I wonder. Uh, there was a point where uh, Tyron Jones did come in uh, for a single play, and it seemed like an anomaly when he when he came in and we both said, oh, you see that? And I, I wonder if it wasn't just in his mind that we're going to give the other guy a snap. We're going to make a point of this. No, that's fair. Hey, what do you think about Chris John Jones? Um, you know, Blake Sims, you know, talks about his great catch. Um, how does he come out of this ball game without a catch? 
Yeah, I, I I don't know, and and especially when we work the ball around. I mean, didn't we have seven receivers, you know, catch catch balls, which is nice. I'm glad to see us start to expand uh, uh, and distribute the ball a little bit better. But you would, you know, you would think that, uh, you know, if you told me that we were going to catch uh, seven different people, were going to catch balls, you know, uh, Christian would be on the list. No, he would, man, and and he's a senior, right? And and just what he brings to the table, I just was surprised. Talk a little bit about uh, DeAndre White real quick. Obviously, on the deflection, it was a third down play. You know, I didn't get a chance to go back to check every one of his four catches, but I think all four of his catches on the day were third down plays. And, um, you know, he had a little uh, Kevin Norwood in him in this ball game. Was it yeah. because Cooper was double covered and, and White was the next guy? Well, I you know I think that's a, that's a, a very safe uh, a safe way to go. You know they did uh, you know put the coverage over Cooper. They talked about uh, you know we're going to play uh, single man. Uh, that's what we play all season, and and uh, you know it must have been just a cheesy smoke screen because they did not do that. And so yeah, you think let's go to uh, DeAndrew, you know a senior and uh, some guy that you know is a player that you can count on. He's going to be where he needs to be, where you need him to be. He knows his route. He's not going to cut it off. Uh, I think that's why some of the talented receivers don't get a chance to play because they lack that level of precision, uh, even though they may be, you know, super talented. Uh, and and uh, in a situation, a critical, you know, third down situation, I don't need you to be five. I don't need you to be seven. I need you to be six. You know, it's almost like the Peyton Manning. I need you to be exactly where I need you to be, exactly when I need you to be there, because I'm going to put the ball to you. And so I'm not comparing Peyton to Sims, but I'm just saying there's a precision that's required in those type of situations. And, um, you know, yeah, I think that I think the fifth year senior is, is someone that you would need to turn to in that type of situation. You know, Norwood, I still say is an irreplaceable talent in terms of what he brings to the situation. But, uh, you know, third down along the sidelines. But you, you have someone uh, like DeAndrew, you know, he did a pretty good imitation there at times. No, he absolutely did. Hey, um, talk a little bit about our Darius Stewart. Um, you know, I mentioned the double coverage throw, which I think was ill-advised. Uh, what's, what's, your, what's your thoughts about, um, you know, him uh, having two catches on the day? Yeah, I was hoping I could sneak, sneak him through. Uh, um, you know, I love the fact – uh, and, you know, when we did our preseason wide receiver show, I, I made a big to-do about this is the guy to watch out for this season. And, uh, you know, when he's gotten his opportunity, when he's been on the field, uh, you know, he's kind of come through. And we've tried to get the ball to him uh, a couple of times the last couple of games. Uh, and and he's he's beating his man. He's getting over the coverage. Uh, you know, maybe there's a safety high or maybe the, the throws a little bit off, but you know, we got him two balls, which was nice. And then we did work him down the field and got a pass interference, which, you know, okay, we'll take that. Uh, I think that he's a guy that we can continue to try to, um, you know, kind of pick our spots and when we can work him, him down the field, especially with Amari going to get the, the coverage, like you're saying, our Darius Stewart's a guy that is, um, Man, everybody better – I stand by this, right? I mean, we haven't seen everything out of him that I kind of was hoping for, but he's a guy that don't don't sleep on this guy because he's going to make uh, a big play. We've got him back out in uh, in punt returns and, and kickoff returns now. Uh, I guess more kickoff returns because we put, we're put we putting two guys back there. But I just think that, you know, 
he's going to get a chance and he's going to be electric in a phone booth. I just, I, I just, I just, I still predict that we're going to see something uh, significant out of him before the season's over. I'm glad we're working the ball to him. No, absolutely. And I know we got to flip the field, but I want to mention real quick, um, you know, I do think, you know, once this game turned about halfway through the second quarter, it was just kind of try to hold on because we didn't do a whole lot in the second half. But in that second quarter where we scored two touchdowns, um, I do think it was very interesting that, you know, we took shots, right? You know, I want to give credit. We've always talked about, you know, taking shots when we can, and we took the shot to Cooper, and, you know, he gets tackled at the one-yard line. And and then that 35-yard pass to Jostin Fowler, um, you know, in that second quarter before before things kind of went downhill, you know, Fowler lined up in the backfield and and worked his way around the left end. And, you know, linebacker's thinking, oh, I'm about to get steamrolled. And kind of like Brandon Green, you know, yes. linebacker realizes two yards later, oh, wait a minute. Well, Jostin Fowler. very much had that feel. It very much had the feel of the Brandon Green play. It did. And Jostin Fowler, basically the guy in the slot, Thank, unfortunately for, Al- for Alabama, the Mississippi State guy covering the slot receiver sees it quicker than the linebacker, and right. he's fast enough to get back there. Because, David, the linebacker was left in Jostin Fowler's dust. Oh, yeah. If that guy in the slot had not come off his man, that's a touchdown. Yeah. Because he tackled him at the 30, and there was nobody within five yards of Jostin Fowler. That could have been a touchdown. Yeah, and and, I, we, and and we like some Justin Fowler, so I just want to talk about it. Oh no, I I I love me some Justin Fowler, and and uh, you know I was just going to elaborate on that. That was a that was a quite a nifty catch when you when you go back and really look at it. He had you know he's running, he has to turn and reach behind him uh, to catch the ball, but concentrates on the ball, puts two hands on it, tucks it, and turns to run. Uh, it's a that's a nice piece, nice piece of receiving you know from a big old uh, uh, fullback there. No, absolutely, man. Uh, anything else on offense before you do your game ball? I, I want to hit us up on one thing on offense because this really stuck in my crawl while we were watching the game. Uh, late in the third quarter, it was our last possession uh, of of the third quarter. Uh, we get the ball, and there's about two minutes, maybe a little under two minutes, <clears throat> and we proceed to throw the ball uh, three consecutive times, punt the ball away, give Mississippi State the ball with about a minute 30, minute 35 left on the game. And my frustration and to me that's a free possession there. Because our because they get the ball and then they get the sort of the the timeout at the change of possession or at the change of quarter, right? There's the T V timeout there. And so our objective there, and I look, I get every time you have the ball that your objective at some level should be to score. But some things sometimes you can go a little more micro. You don't have to go macro. You can go a little more micro in your thinking. And at that point of the game, right there, uh, with a minute and a half, you know, a minute forty going, in, you know, in in the third quarter, our objective, our top of mind objective should to be should be, <clears throat> let's get the ball into the fourth quarter, and if that means we're punting the ball away with three seconds, you know, as as the quarter expired, I'm fine with that. But our objective should be they don't touch the ball in the in the in the remaining third quarter. And, and But yet, they do get the ball. They get the ball with about a minute and a half in the third quarter, uh, and then they get the time out there, like I said, at the, at the, at the change of quarters. That's, sometimes you just got to chunk it down, and you just chunk it down to say they don't get the ball again in the third quarter. 
we can go back to our game plan. We can, you know, we're not overwriting. We're not overscripting anything. We're not, you know, removing anyone's privileges. But for the next minute and a half here, they don't get the ball again. That's all I ask. And no, so, I'm with I'm with you. I'm going to say, having started that drive at the 20-yard line, which is some of the worst field position that we fortunately had on the day, I think had we been running the ball better at that point, we would have done that. And I think Kiffin panicked and went to passing because, you know, you don't think you pass deep in your territory, right? But right. I think he went to passing because he he felt like the game was, you know, he, he felt like he wasn't getting it done running the ball. And I think if we would have been – this is that's a moment where Alabama football has an eight-minute drive and runs down the – runs 80 yards, right? And, no, and, and I, 10 I, plays I, look, and scores a touchdown. You. I hear you, but I I go I go much more I'm much more on the cellular level here. I don't care if we have to run it three times and punt. You run it three times and punt, you've run the quarter out. And yeah, so my thinking quarter, is right. my thinking is oh I would love an 80 yard drive here that burns eight minutes off the clock and gets us a touchdown and hell let's get the two point conversion. I would oh absolutely I would never refuse that. I'm just in in my thinking there is. I don't want them to touch the ball again in the third quarter. And when they did, to me, that felt like they were getting a free possession. That's a that's a possession in this game that they should not have. Right, right. So that, that's, no, that's all. Fair. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's get a touchdown. I mean, let's score a touchdown on our first play, and then they can have the ball. Sure, but that's a valuable. I, I get it. I get the objective is to outscore them. I'm not a, a you know, I'm yeah. not opposed to that. But sometimes you just gotta, you know, you just gotta shrink it down to. Something a lot, just a little more tangible, a little more granular. And and what's granular is, you know, there's a limited number of ticks left in the third quarter. They don't get the ball. Well, and 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 you chew that two minutes off the clock that they don't have at the end of the ball game, and maybe that the score, the final sure, score, is not sure. a five point margin. Yeah, absolutely. It's you know shrinks the game and all those kinds of things. All right, give me your mini game ball on uh, offense. Well, I know this is not considered mini game ball now, seven or eight games in. Uh, but for all the times that I'm told that I, you know, I don't give enough you know, love to to number six, um, you know, LSU game, you know, he doesn't get the block by his wide receiver. He does it all on his own. He gets a first down in this ball game when he needed to extend that drive, that one good drive they had. Um, he does it with his feet, and um, you know, kind of like uh, Greg McElroy tipping down the sideline in the Alabama Florida SEC championship game. You know, I just that to me was the play of the game. He he doesn't make the play. They might have come back and won the ball game. He's had a couple of games where him, uh, you know, Sims running for the touchdown, or I'm sorry, running for the first down uh, on a big third has really been the play of the game. Didn't we say that against Tennessee? That, yes. Uh, it did. You know, that was kind of a play of the game type uh, play. And so here again against Mississippi State. Uh, yeah, I think that's. I, mean, I know he's not. I know he's not many game ball. Okay, but this was third and ten at the forty yard line. Nick Saban would not have attempted a field goal at that point. Yep. Okay, and he gets eleven yards to get to the twenty nine yard line. That might have been the most important play of the entire game. Yeah, I, I don't dispute that. I don't dispute that, and I, I think that's great to that, that's great to call out. I just want to have a little moment here for you saying something nice, like just overwhelmingly nice about. Oh Blitz. come on, man! Keep going, man! Go on. Well, who's your mini game ball? Well, I told you I was trying to sneak him by, uh, you know, our Darius Stewart, and I've kind of given my, uh, my my ammo on him. You know, I, I'm glad to see him worked into the game. Uh, I, I I think we're going to see some good things 
uh, about him before it's all uh, before it's all over. Why don't we flip the field and uh, you know take us to defense? You know, the first thing I want to ask your opinion on is: uh, Were you surprised that you saw so much Geno and so little Jarek Williams? No, I was not. Um, and and Jarek's played really, really well. And and we've both liked us uh, some Jarek. We've talked about him looking very comfortable out there. But uh, you know, just a couple of weeks ago, looked very comfortable. Just a couple of weeks ago, but it goes back to, uh, I mean, it goes back to some of the success that we had. You know, very early in Saban's tenure. You know, back to you know, back to '07, and you know, you could reason how much success we even had that year. But it goes back to a template that he laid out that far back, and something that you were very quick to really buy in. Uh, uh, you know, well, you invested deep in the concept of, you know, Saban likes his three corners and having three corner capable uh, players out there. We have talked about uh, a couple of times last year. How the heck do we slow down this this spread, this fast-paced, uh, this caffeinated uh, style of offense where the quarterback's doing whiz bang and a bunch of receivers down the field and and this this you know play action uh, or uh, post uh, read kind of uh, stuff? You know how do we slow this down? And you came right back. It's the three corners. It's it sort of pivots around the three corners, and that's been um, you know I love how you set me up. To make you look good, that's uh, that's pretty good. I realize I realize what I'm doing here. You've um, done a great job. Keep it so, up. So, so you had a dumb idea, I guess, that worked in this game. No, I mean, I just I was surprised we saw so much Geno because Jarek Williams has looked good when he's been in there, and so you know to to touch on Geno. So this takes nothing away from Jarek Williams, but oh, I, know, I know I I will touch on Geno for a second on that safety that we got at the beginning of the game which probably gave us the momentum, right, to get those two touchdowns in the second quarter, Gino was covering the slot. Gino was in the star. Gino comes, you know, uh, we call a corner blitz from the star position. He blitzes in. Left tackle has to – left tackle's rolling out there to, to, to find somebody to seal. Gino Smith is in his face. Gino kind of, you know, catches him off guard – is able to get on Josh Robinson and just slow him down for Trey to come and clean it up. Yep. That was all Gino. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Little bitty corner Gino going after left tackle. I mean, that was a huge play for him. I, you know, Gino is another guy that I've been very high on. You know, I, I kind of, I, you know, I, I sort of probably went too deep in, but you know, my bold statement back in the preseason and it was in the preseason guide is that, you know, if he if he starts and he starts all season, he's an All America candidate because I just think he's that good. At the beginning of the season, when I didn't understand why he wasn't playing more, but we would put him in, the defense just seemed to click better. And I go back to the West Virginia game when he would rotate in, just the defense seemed to 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 click uh, and play a little bit better. And so in this game, you know, they moved the ball between the twenties and they had some good success at that. But uh, there were just times where the defense rose up, and it wasn't all Geno. But you know, having that third corner in there, that that coverage ability, uh, you don't have to cheat towards the slot because you've got a corner capable uh, skill set uh, guarding them. I just think it it does sort of spread. You know, you think of the oh, you know, and I'm going to get nerdy math here, but you think of the eleven guys that you have allocated across the defense and sort of their their percent mental capacity, what they've allocated around. Here's my three keys. And so everyone's got their two or three keys. I've got this gap. 
and I'm watching this and this is my gap and these are my keys. And, and, and so you distribute that and that sort of becomes sort of the microcosm of what the defense is running. And you put someone in there like a Geno that can do a couple of more different things. And that makes someone else's job just a little bit easier and someone else's job just a little bit easier. And I do think there's almost a ripple effect that you can get across the defense when you have that. And again, that corner capable or that, that star that can be a little bit more dynamic. If you got a star like a Vinny Cesare, like sometimes I think a Jarek, who's really more just a hyper linebacker, a hyper outside linebacker, look, that can help do things for you too. But when you have a star that can be a corner, that's literally the other side of the coin, uh, then I think you can do more different things on, on coverage than you otherwise would. And I think our coverage really stepped up. Maybe we gave them a look. How about this, right? Three interceptions. Maybe that's because we're able to give them looks that are different because we're playing Geno. You know, I'm not trying to paint the dots that make my guy look good. I'm just saying, have they seen that on film? No, they haven't because we've been playing Jarek. And so does this allow us to do something that's a little bit different there and a little bit different there and this quarterback now is seeing something at real time that doesn't look like what he's studied. Yeah, I think there's a chance of that. No, no, that's fair. Um, talk a little bit about Cyrus Jones. I'm going to give you some love back here after you, you made my case for my three-cornerback comment, which was uh, very smart of me years ago. Um, you know, I, I have once, given all – Once. Can I mark that down? Once. Tommy – Plus one. I have given all kind of grief to I've given all kind of grief to Cyrus Jones. You know, I'm gonna say undermanned against a six foot five wide receiver sure. Wilson. Best game he's played as a cornerback. Obviously was a converted wide receiver. We talked about the guy's speed years ago. We talked about him in an A Day game. We said yep. if this guy can if this guy can do something with his speed, he's got good recovery skills. Now, granted, Wilson got a twenty nine yard pass and he got eighty yards on the game, but this guy didn't tear him up. I, and and he was left in Saban's typical by yourself, take him on your own. I, I thought Cyrus had a pretty good ball game. No, I thought he did. And and actually, you know, to be candid with you, if you look at his stats, he's had better games. I think they targeted him 12 times and and, uh, you know, they had that's a lot, though. They, that's a it lot is. But I think I think they do. had I think they had, you know, five or six catches uh, out of those 12. I think he was targeted last last week against LSU nine times, which is a big number. And I think they only caught two passes. And so uh, you could reason that his production wasn't, you know, at the same level. But then, of course, he's going against. Uh, you know, like you said, the six-five receiver who's talented uh, in his, in his own right. I think I think Saban has come out this week and said that uh, you know Cyrus has has been one of our more dependable defensive backs, and and uh, I certainly agree with that. That's sort of the uh, I guess I, I sound like I've got a lot of guys that I really like. I guess you know I, I guess I'm a homer or something. I don't know, but <laughs> but. Uh, you know, Cyrus has been another one of those guys that this season, you know, you go back to the beginning of the season and, and it was Cyrus and Silvery and, uh, and Cyrus has not missed a lick. Um, you know, he's had some up and down, but you know, he has been, I would say pretty steady the whole season and, you know, his starting mate at, you know, from the, the first game of the season, it feels like so long ago when you think about Bradley Silvery out there at corner, but 
I've not seen him on the field in in quite a while. And uh, you know, he's the one that everyone thought uh, you know had a little more upside. So uh, well, he's me, got he he. I just wanted to give him love that that this was his best game as a corner, definitely. Yeah, I, I, I think he he was put on the island and he did a pretty good job for sure. I'm gonna press my luck here. Do you have anything? Do you have anything really nice to say about Nick Perry? Man, um, you know Nick Perry. Um, Nick Perry. You know, I thought he had. I thought he had grabbed the LSU receiver. On that, you know, play at the end of overtime, and when I went back and watched it a couple times, he really didn't hook him that bad. So I was like, "Damn, he got his left hand in there." Mm-hmm. And um, you know, Nick Perry, we we call him straight here, man. We don't pull any punches. You know, we've said Nick Perry has probably got to be out there because he knows the playbook, he knows what he needs to do. This might be the first game that I really feel like some chemistry is is getting formed there between him and Landon Collins, you know, as far as how they feed off of each other. And 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 damn, what a good time for it to happen. Man. Um he 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 is um well come on dude let's face it there was no times in this game where I could say Nick Perry was out of position. Nick Perry was beat Nick Perry overran the play. You know he got 12 tackles and you can't even criticize that because there were nine solos. It wasn't like he got three solos and nine assists. The boy got nine solo tackles, which means without him, nine guys don't go to the ground. So let, let's call it straight like we do. Nick had a damn good ball game. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's that's it. Tommy has said something nice about Blake Sims, Nick Perry, and Cyrus Jones. So we'll catch you next week, right? Ha, ha, ha. Hey, <laughs> hey uh, talk to me about Dak Prescott for a second because, I, I you know, I, I still hate that this game – got so close because yeah. you know we were up 19 to freaking nothing at the end of the first half and, and should have never let him get a field goal. I remember telling you in the stands that, you know, in the first half, Dak Prescott was 12 carries for 24 yards. Big deal. Two yards a carry. Sure. sure. But then he comes out in the second half and has 10 carries for 50 yards. Okay. So he finishes with a respectable 80 something, you know, almost 80 yards rushing, you know, what do you think happened differently in the second half defensively that allowed him to get, you know, five yards of carry versus the two yards of carry in the first half? Yeah, they definitely out adjusted us. It seemed at at play t- at, uh, at at halftime. Uh, we were out schemed, right? Doesn't it seem like we were out adjusted on on both sides of the ball? There were a lot more times that we both just expressed, man, that was a really good play call. Uh, that was a well executed, well conceived, well timed you know, play call in a right, a right situation. And I bet four out of the five times that we said that it was Mississippi state. It was something that they did. And, you know, I hate to celebrate, you know, celebrate a team making a good play against us, but man, there are a couple of times they just made some phenomenal plays or good, you know, good calls. And, and, um, you know, I don't know if there, if it's the difference between, you know, the head coach being, uh, an offensive mindset versus the head coach being a defensive mindset, you know, how, and what sort of trickle down and permutation that has to the to the overall program. I don't know. I think Dak is really, really uh, talented. I think he's impressive. I've been impressed with his his play this season. But it didn't seem like he threw for three hundred yards, right? No. You and I it, saw it, that post game, and you're like, where would that? Where did those two hundred ninety yards come from? Yeah, it, it was it was it was almost surprising. And you go back and look at. 
at how much offense and production they really did have. Uh, it really was surprising, and that's why I keep saying, well, they moved the ball between the 20s because, you know, clearly they moved it somewhere. Um, you know, one of the things, and, and I'll I'll credit this uh, to our defense as well, you know, of the 20 points that they scored, they scored three points with three seconds left to go on the clock at half, and they scored a touchdown and then, you know, the PAT, so seven points with 15 seconds left in the ball game. And so you take 18 seconds, like literally 18 seconds at the end of the game when things should be expiring, uh, and they got half of their point production there. Uh, you couple that with our 19-3 to three lead at, at one point. And, again, I'm sort of advocating that that could have almost been 19 to, to nothing. And, um, and, and you start to see, man, they moved the ball a lot and got nothing for it, uh, for them to put up that um, impressive – uh, stats, you know, they got in, you know, they put up that many points in those situations, got into the red zone six times. Um, you know, certainly there's some, and I hate this sort of the bend but don't break uh, mantra on defense. Man, there were sure. a couple times we just stepped up, and uh, you know, at, at one point, I, you know, we need a pick, we need an interception here, and then we got one, and uh, we weren't able to do much with that. And I found us, I found you know, a possession or two later coming back saying. We need an interception here, and sort of, sort of the, the the realist inside of me says you don't get to ask for that twice and get it. But we did. Uh, no, we no, we did absolutely. get it, and that's what made you know maybe it was that Landon Collins interception that much more sweet because you you know you think about in the balance of of football you don't get that second one that you really need. You get the first one, and if you can't do anything with it, that's just kind of on you. And when we got that second one, whew, that would that sort of in my mind iced it, and um, man, that felt really good. No, absolutely. I, I will tell you when I saw his two hundred and ninety yards, I'm thinking, where did I see that? You know, where I, I don't remember that. Right. I will say when I went back and looked at it, though, I think this had more to do with they ran they ran eighty eight plays. Okay, let me say yeah. that again. They ran 88 plays. They ran 25 more plays than we did. And so when you look at his final stats, he was 27 of 48 for 290 yards, about 10 yards a pass, right? How many, you know, Blake was 20 of 30 for 200 yards. He averaged 10 yards of completion too. So I think it had more to do with Dak Prescott got to drop back 48 times. Sure, sure. Lower your price and make it up on volume, right? But that's just that is phenomenal because wasn't it eighty three plays last week? Yeah, I mean that that's just phenomenal that this defense had to endure the physicality of two big boy football teams. Let's face it; these are two of the most physical teams in the SEC. One week eighty three plays, the very next week eighty eight plays. Yeah, and then and you can see you know coach gave them the day off today, right? They gave them uh, coach gave gives them Monday off, and uh, they'll get back at it, but. Uh, yeah, they needed uh, they needed some rest here. Hey, what else jumped out at you on defense? You know, I don't know that anything uh, in particular, anything in particular uh, jumped out. Uh, I'm sure I'm kind of paving over something, but uh, unless you've got something, take us to many game balls. Well, the only thing I do want to a- address real quick is we we said going into this ball game because of all the plays at LSU that we were hoping that, you know, all of the guys okay. that, that we could throw out there yep. uh, really made a difference, right, as far as the, the number of guys that, that could get snaps. 
And um, I, I will say that, you know, once again, we had a lot of guys fill the stat sheet. Uh, I saw Ryan Anderson make some plays. Um, I, I didn't see Xavier Dixon. Uh, I didn't see him, you know, do as much. But I did see, uh, I did see, uh, you know, Ryan Anderson make some plays. So I, I think the depth of our defensive front seven enabled us to be able to hold on for these 88 plays, I guess is what I mean. You know, on defense, you know, I, I'm going to have to give some love to, to Trey DePriest. Um, okay. If this is the Kumbaya show, we might as well just freaking just, you know, just ring it all the way here and do the, do the hat trick, um, you know, but four as opposed to three. You know, I, I have also said this year that Trey needed to step up. You know, Trey made a play in the Arkansas game, but but Trey has not made enough plays for me, to be just blunt. And um, he made a big safety in the ball game. Uh, yes, he's not a mini game ball player, but I think that that was a huge play that he made in this ball game. And uh, and so kudos to him. He finished the game with nine tackles, uh, half tackle for loss, number three on the stat sheet. And uh, held his own nicely there next to Reggie, and uh, so good game for Trey. Man, who are you, and what have you done with my Tommy? <laughs> <clears throat> who was who yours, man? Well, we've given you know here again we've kind of exhausted the the play, but uh, I'm giving my mini game ball for Nick Perry for earning nice to- comments from Tommy. Oh, that's awesome, man! <laughs> hey, flip me to flip me to special teams, man. Special um, teams, I, take you it already away. know my you already know my game ball goes to the punter for Mississippi State for the for the reasons that we discussed. Tell me what jumped out at you on special teams. Well, I I, I want to hear you elaborate on the Mississippi State punter being their mini game ball because he averaged a net thirty two yards per punt while we averaged you know mid forties. So did you really I, just ask me that question? That's yeah. why he gets our mini game ball because he could only punt the ball 30 yards and kept giving us the ball in great field position. Okay. So you're doing a contra account there. Yes. All right. Absolutely. All right. No, what jumped I, out at you? Was it was it the big tackle from Landon Collins on the one punt? Was it the the nice coverage by the kickoff team? What what jumped out at you in special teams? Well, I, let me hit that Landon Collins, right? Because <clears throat> and and we talked about this so, so Landon Collins is on – I mean, he is a heat-sinking missile. There's no other way, and that's not an exaggeration. The punter catches the ball and immediately goes in – starts to go down into the fetal position and then just gets you know blown up by Landon Collins. And there's a part of me that says, you know, why not fair catch that? I mean, you know that – I'm about to get rocked when I catch this. Why don't I just stick my hand in the air and then not get rocked? Right. Why? I mean, why take the abuse if I don't have to? I mean, discretion is the better part of valor, right? I mean, it doesn't prove that you're any tougher. In fact, it maybe proves, you know, something else. So, uh, but you know, certainly there's a great play by 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 Landon Collins. I think if if you could somehow credit a punter with scoring points, um. You know, he punted seven times, uh, five times inside the 20. Uh, he, he, he put uh, punted the uh, put a Mississippi State onto the five. Two plays later, they get the safety. And so you kind of, you know, punter's got to feel a little bit good about that. Uh, on the ensuing free kick, uh, we get the uh, – now you'd want a touchdown, but on the ensuing free kick, we get uh, the field goal. And so it's a very baseball-like score, five to nothing. And uh, – 
you know, as a punter, you have to sit back and say, huh, five-point margin. And um, I had, a as a punter, a material role in uh, Alabama scoring those five points. No, absolutely. Any anything jumped out at you on on our on our return guys, either via punt or kickoff? We're just we just seem to be, you know. And I I read you know someone uh, you know post our article kind of the same thing that we've been observing, but it seems that we have unplugged the punt return game. That um, <clears throat> and and you know and, and I think it's really saving us some some possessions. We turned the ball over, uh, you know, a couple times early. Earlier in the season, we just seem to, unless it's a very obvious, clear situation, we just don't punt the ball. We just don't return those punts a little bit. And and I like what's, you know, what Saban says is, you know, we've got some guys that are capable of returning the ball, but it's our ball. (laughs) And you can't dispute the fact that I would rather have the ball anywhere on the field than the other team have the ball anywhere on the field. Sure. No, that's true. Hey, uh, Chris John Jones did have a nice kickoff, though. Um, you know, uh, or excuse me, a nice, a nice play on the, after the safety, uh, he had a nice return that, that put us at the 39 yard line. Um, he had another couple nice returns on the day. Uh, I thought he made some decent decisions, uh, compared to what he normally does. Um, how did, how did you think he did as far as kickoff coverage, kickoff return goes? Yeah, I think he was all right. I think that, uh, you know, there's always going to be a ball there or two that I don't think he should catch. Uh, you know, cost us yards, getting it back out just barely to the 20 or, you know, gosh, that's a lot of effort just to get it back where they'll give it to you, that kind of situation. Uh, but, uh, you know, he had, he had some decent plays, nothing that really, you know, let my hair on fire, but, uh, I guess he got a little bit of his, and I'll say this tongue in cheek, I guess he got a little bit of return action. So we, maybe we didn't feel that we had to throw him the ball. No, that's fair. Um, any, uh, any anything else? Um, and DeAndre White, you know, even even had a um, uh, even had a a kickoff return in the ball game, which you know is is um, interesting that they they kicked the ball his way. Um, who who gets your mini game ball on special teams? You know, I don't I don't know that you can give a mini game ball on special teams. I just think it's just. You have to give it to the punter. I mean, I've, I, have we had a game this season where he wouldn't be the uh, uh, sort of the catalyst? You know, maybe I guess early in the season, did we have a game we didn't punt or something? I don't know. Uh, but that's what it would take for him not to be. Uh, and look, kudos, right? You know, he's gonna, he's going to be. I think the 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 list is going to come out in the next week or so. He's going to be. He's a finalist for the Ray guy, but they're going to whittle it down to like the three finalists in a week or so. He's going to be on that list, and um, you know if you really look at the nuts and bolts of what he's doing and pinning teams back and helping us actually literally helping us score points in in these situations, uh, you'd have to think he'd he'd be a really good candidate to win it, and that's an award that's never been won by a true freshman. So, um, you know the accolades for this guy, um, I am proud to say when we did. Um, our uh, our recruiting guide that he was in my top five impact freshman. I'll just throw that out there. I'm proud of that. Well, good man. Don't break your arm patting yourself when you're back. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think that in years past, when Trey DePriest was there, I mean Trey DePriest, when when Vinny Sinceri was there, uh, and he was a special teams warrior uh, as a freshman, 
you know, we, 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 we would, we would, we had guys in years past that, that just wanted to make a name for themselves on special teams. And the only guy I think on this year's team that's done that is Reuben Foster. And, um, he, he's the only guy that I think three different ball games, um, has made huge jarring plays on kickoff coverage. Um, and he's the only guy that comes to mind that, that has been that wow factor on special teams for us. Yes, I do agree with that. Um, you know, there's something about, um, you know, I'll, I'll just tell you, there's something about, and I said this at the game and you gave me a double take. Uh, he continues to, to lower his head and, and, uh, you know, this is a kid that knocks himself, uh, knocks himself unconscious, you know, knocks himself out at, uh, at practice because he'll just ram his head in there and, and hit things. And there was a time in this game where he made a hit and, um, you know, it was kind of wobbly going back to the sidelines. I think there's a real chance, and I know you're saying if he can get it together, he's going to blow up. I'm saying there's a real chance that this guy at some point has to give up the game because he's going to, if he continues to play the way that he is, and if he would just look at what he's tackling, then it would completely unplug what I'm saying here. But the way that he tackles he is setting himself. He's the only player on the team that wears like a 1984-style uh, neck brace. I mean, it's like he's trying to look like Brian Bosworth or something with sort of his 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 get-up. And it's because, not that he's styling, but it's because of the way he tackles and he needs that extra neck support. He is just going, I think, to run himself out of the game because of his potential for injuries. And I hate to say that because I do think he has a lot of talent, but I just, um, I just don't see how you could sustain that. Yeah. I hope, I hope that does not happen. Hey, let's talk a little bit about the catamounts, man. You, 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 I know you've studied up on them and you've got a lot of material to talk about. Two years ago, they came into town. They went out of town losing 49 to nothing which uh, we were able to duplicate that score a week later against Auburn. What, what's the Catamounts bringing to the table? Uh, Nick Saban has told us all when he beat us down on his press conference that you know they've won seven games coming into this game as opposed to two two years ago. Well, what's the Catamounts going to give us? I see what you're doing there. I see what you're doing there, man. What am I doing, man? What's what are, the Catamounts yeah. going to give us? That's awesome, man. Yeah, we got Western Carolina come to town, and um, <laughs> that is awesome. I think they won three games last year. They've won seven this year. Right, they're uh, seven and three coming in here, man. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, I, you know, anytime. What, you what play- I meant by that what I meant by that question is, is you've always said in games like this, you'd love it if we could start the second string guys, right? <clears throat> I mean, that would just get you all fired up if we could start the game with running the twos, right? So, so my question was more geared to what guys, what guys don't even see the field in this ballgame? You know what I would love to see? I would love to see something that people would moan about if it were to actually happen. And it's one thing to see it. It's one thing to just say it and get the theory behind it. But, man, people would moan if this happened. I, there's a part of me. That would that would love for us to to play our backups, and in this game be like twenty three to 
12 or something like that. Because, you know, give the backups a lot of opportunity, a lot of play. They're, they're not as good and they're not going to make, you know, they're, they're going to make a little more mistakes. And so uh, Western Carolina is going to have a little bit more success uh, against them. And so if it were something like a 23 to 12 game, man, people would be jumping off of bridges. But, and you would love that right before the Auburn game, right? Right. But we would have fans jumping off for bridges if if that if that were to happen. But what it would do is, you know, you could just take a whole bunch of. Uh, it's almost like let's do this like Sanio, San Antonio Spurs style, right? Where where the the frontliners don't even dress. Oh, and they're sitting over there in their street clothes. Yes. And the crowd's going freaking bonkers. Yes. So is the SEC Network. Yes. That would be kind of cool now. That will not happen. That Paul Feinbaum would love that crap. Oh man, that just that would be uh, that would be a lot of fun. It will not happen if we can get our starters and and uh, you know if they can get a couple of quick touchdowns and maybe we start rotating them out. I think that would be good uh, if we can get them out by halftime. Man, that would just be awesome. I don't know that we do. I don't know that that we can. But I really, really want to see a bunch of Tyron Jones. And I really want to see Alti Tenpenny. And I'll tell you, and and especially at the running back position, we may very well give Henry a couple of snaps uh, and give um, Yeldon a couple of snaps for the sake of their timing. They each get a series and then they get out of but there. But they we may actually take them out. We may as close as to as close as to what I'm sort of dreaming for, we may actually see that at the running back position. And what it makes me think of is and I'm trying to stall to remember this guy's name, but um, I don't think it was last year. I think it was two years ago. Uh, Drake was suspended. The you know our boy Drake was suspended the week before uh, the game, and we were going to we were playing like Arkansas State, and we were going to rest. You knew that we were going to rest our front line uh, running backs. And so Drake was going to get his chance to shine, and he misses. You know, we don't know what he did, but he did something to uh, to lose his ability to play. And we actually gave was it Brent Callaway twenty yes. carries. Yes, Brent had Callaway been running had twenty carries, uh, almost a hundred yards in that game. And and this is the kind of situation where we may see a Tyron Jones, and if Tenpenny can sort of get back out of the doghouse he's creating for himself, we may actually see both of those guys really have big days because why Tenpenny would you run? Why bad. would you need to run Yeldon, you know, ten or twelve times? Give him a couple carries, if even that, and uh, and and let's put Tyron and, and Tenpenny out there and let them just have have a have a have play time. Well, I, I will tell you, man, I um I, I think Ten Penny picked a bad time to miss a meeting, right? Yes. And there there's gonna be a little carryover effect. Uh I will tell you because you had me curious, when we played Western Carolina two years ago, they did win the time of possession uh battle. They had the ball for thirty one minutes to our twenty eight minutes. TJ Yeldon, because I know you'll be curious about this. T.J. Yeldon had seven carries, 55 yards as a true freshman. Uh, Blake Sims had eight carries for 70 yards. Brent Calloway had seven carries for 52 yards. 
Eddie Lacy had 10 for 99. And we had us some Ben Howe love, five yep. carries for 12 yards. Yep. So, yeah. And so, so there was the, there was, there was, right? I mean, right? Give everybody the ball there. We gave every running back we could the ball. No, I think there was an Arkansas State game in there too, where it was, it was, you know, same, similar deal. But, um, but yeah, absolutely. I think that, uh, I think it, it can be that type of, of opportunity. And I, and I'll say this. You know, we think about, you know, Tim Penny kind of getting out of the doghouse and, and you mentioned him picking the right spot. I mean, can you almost just hear Saban, you know, come on, you know, we're playing the number one team in the country and that's not enough. That's not important enough for you to be here. I mean, if we like literally if we had been playing roast beef tech and he's late for a meeting, I don't know that. And it, it looks it's still going to be a big deal to Saban. I don't know if Saban's even going to treat it the same way as you're late for a meeting and we're playing the number one team in the country. Really? Really? Oh, sure. I think I just think there's <clears throat> and so it's almost the opposite. Like, oh, well, we are playing the number one team in the country, so maybe I'll let this slide in case we need because we've got injured guys. Saban's like, no, that makes your lack of discipline that much more pronounced because you're not focused on this. And if you can't focus on this, this, the number one team in the country with all that we have left to play for, if this can't be your top priority, I don't even want you. I don't just know, right. Just go somewhere else because I don't want you infecting anyone else. Oh, sure. And and this just makes you wonder in this ball game because we don't have the 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 depth that that you know that that we're accustomed to having at, at the running back position, and so you probably would have seen a Ronnie Clark, right? Yeah. Who had been who had been worked yep. on that side of the ball. Yep. Uh, but you're not going to. You're not going to see Drake. Obviously, you you might see Tyron Jones get 30 carries in this ball game. Yeah, Bama fans, you might see a glimpse of of. The the guy two years from now that's a stud. Thirty is a big number, but uh, but yeah, I, I think that uh, I think he'll. Get we just don't have any depth. You might you might see him in the backup fullback, right? I think uh, yeah, I think I think we'll we'll see some electric plays from him, and 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 I very much look forward to that because I think I think uh, what we've seen from him has has been pretty darn impressive. So uh, so yeah, I absolutely. Uh, absolutely do look uh, look forward to that. What do you got in the way of predictions? Uh, I've said what I would like to have as a prediction. That's not going to happen, uh, you know, f- because we're going to play the front line guys. What what do you see in the way of a prediction? Man, this this team lost to Presbyterian nineteen to fourteen. Th- this team lost to Chattanooga fifty one to nothing at home. <laughs> I-, I think we break the forty nine. I, I I I think we we hang fifty on him. I, I see this as one of those games where he just has to call the dogs off, and he he might get ticked off when somebody breaks a fifty yard run. Um, you know, I I see a fifty six to three type of ball game. I think uh, I I think you might be right. I think when you look at this playoff committee, and <clears throat> you know, um, you want to make a good impression because. Uh, you know, everything is a, um, you know, is a runway presentation, right? You you don't want to have the 24 to 12 game against a team like this because that allows people to put in doubt because on paper, no, you know, it's hard to, well, they played, you know, their backups and, and all of that. 
no, on paper, we're supposed to route this team. So I, I think that we will play to that uh, because, you know, it's a beauty pageant. And uh, and I, I think that, uh, that you know, we're going to want to go out there and, and, I guess, show our wear, so to speak. Well, I think for the listeners, you know, here's the key thing about a team like this, right? Their starting centers 265 pounds. Right. Their starting tight ends 230. <clears throat> Their starting running backs five foot eight. I mean, you know, th- this is a game that you and I are going to love because we're going to see guys in the third and fourth quarter um, that we won't see again until a day game. Yep, I agree with that. I agree with that. Uh, we just, you know, I think I think you know. I think it is upper 40s, you know, maybe in, into the 50s. I could see 48 to 7 or 48 to 6 or or something like that. Uh, you know, I want to get out of this game healthy, uh, no injuries. And so let's get our starters out, you know, f- you know, second. I wish I could say after the first drive. That won't happen. After the second drive, maybe we get it up 14 to nothing and, and then we, we let the backups. I don't know that it happens. We probably do play them to half, but – uh, but yeah, let's get them out of there and, uh, and, and play that kind of game. Anything we miss anything, uh, any other player on the roster you want to give some love to maybe I've missed. <laughs> no, man, I'm good. I'll be back to my normal self after the Auburn game, bitching and moaning. All right. Very good. Hey, I want to do this. Uh, um, uh, we've had some iTunes reviews and so we love to do it when we get to do it. And so we get to do it. Uh, asked for some reviews last week. Uh, we got two new reviews. Uh, two five-star reviews, and uh, honest to goodness, I mean, this did help boost our ratings in iTunes, and so if you're out there listening, uh, we moved up a couple spots as a result of getting some uh, some downloads and uh, and some new uh, five-star reviews. So, you know, I challenge you if you're listening, you like what we're doing, to uh, to give us a review. But let me share, uh, let me share some uh, uh, some love back to uh, we've got uh, Juggernaut forty two forty two, and said. Uh, I've been listening to these guys for two plus years. They know their stuff. Love listening to the podcast because they're passionate Alabama fans and know their football. Thank you guys. Keep it up. So uh, we appreciate that. Uh, we've got another one here with a little personal message to you. Uh, so this is BW uh, number 44. Guys, keep up the great work. Look forward to the show each week. And the overlooked nuggets that you guys bring out and discuss. Very glad a mutual friend referred me to the podcast. Hey Tommy, make it a double. And uh, that was uh, that was from Bo. So I think uh, I think we both know the mutual friend there. And uh, so that's good that uh, we got some shout outs. We appreciate that. Uh, good stuff, uh, man. Absolutely that, good stuff. We love the Thanks reviews. For the shout out, Bo. Yeah, we uh, yeah absolutely. We love the reviews. Uh, I'll be candid with you. These reviews are very motivating. Uh, sometimes it's late, and we're putting the kids to bed, and and uh, it's like, ah, man, I love doing the podcast when we get into it, but sometimes, uh, sometimes there's a little bit of work. But when we see the reviews and and the feedback and the interaction we get from you guys, it is very motivating, and so we do uh, encourage that. And of course, it helps us in the ratings too. So if that's something you don't mind giving us an authentic review, we will uh, uh, certainly appreciate it. But with that, let's uh, call it uh, call it a wrap. This has been another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast, powered by Bama Hammer. Roll Tide. Thanks for listening to the Alabama Football Podcast. We love that you're tuned in and hope that you enjoyed the show. We encourage you to reach out and let us know what you like, where we can improve, or just to shout out a Roll Tide. We are where you are. iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, 
email newsletters, t-shirts, free roster downloads, and of course, on the web at alabamafootballpodcast.com. Check us out where you'll find easy links to your favorite way to follow the tie. Got that, Coach? Of course. Roll Tide.